This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. Welcome back to Launchpad on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM Channel 132. I'm your host this week, Carl Ulrich, and I'm Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at the Wharton School. I'm very happy to welcome to the show my next guest, Jordan DeChico, who's the founder of Kitu Life. Jordan, thanks for joining us. Hey, Carl. Thank you. I really appreciate it. How are you doing? Great. So first things first, I'm going to point our listeners to your website, and your website is Drink super coffee something we should all do more of drink super coffee.com yes sir yes sir that's right thank you all right give us the elevator pitch for Kitu life absolutely well super coffee started in my college dorm room and we were all about positive energy it's organic colombian cold brewed coffee enhanced with 10 grams of protein mct oil for sustained energy and zero sugar and only one carb and 80 calories and it tastes delicious all right. There's so much to, to unpack there. Um, so at, I get it in a bottle. Is that right? It's a pre, yeah. it's a pre-made device. So it's a packaged drink as packaged beverage. Yeah. 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 It's a 12 ounce packaged beverage, uh, ready to drink coffee or bottled coffee that you'll see at any grocery store like Wawa or Whole Foods. All right. And for those people who who don't live nearby Philadelphia and know about the most awesome convenience store on the planet, the Wawa, uh, that that's a that's a convenience convenience store. So um, what what's you, you say it? Tell give us a description of the flavor sensation. So what what would it be closest to? Absolutely. So we really wanted to keep our flavors close to close to home with customers would recognize. So you can picture some of our products like a vanilla latte, very creamy and indulgent. Um, we use a sweetener called monk fruit, which is an antioxidant that's naturally sweet. Uh, so very close to, you know, a signature latte that you'd get at a cafe or, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a bottled drink that's been on the market for a while. But we actually remove the sugars. We only use protein um, and healthy natural ingredients. Uh, to give it a nutritional benefit as well. Okay, and so the MCT oil is just—I mean, I, I I use MCT oil occasionally. It's pretty neutral flavor, so it just gives it a little a little uh, sort of creaminess or mouthfeel, probably. And mm-hmm. this, but in terms of sweetness, one gram of of carb uh, mm-hmm. would suggest it's not very sweet. Is that right? Just a tinge of sweetness. Uh, not necessarily, because again, we, we use monk fruit, which is an antioxidant. It's actually 250 times sweeter than sugar. Uh, no so kidding. Cool, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's from Southeast Asia. Um, we ship it indirectly. Uh, we work with some, some great farmers down there, and uh, it tastes great. There's not a lot of aftertaste. Um, it's really smooth, and again, it's an antioxidant. That's where the sweetness is coming from. Um, and we have our core flavors, our vanilla, a mocha, and a hazelnut. Mm-hmm. Uh, which are fairly sweet, and then we have an original flavor, which is completely unsweetened for those who like their coffee a little stronger. Yeah, and then the last ingredient that I forgot to mention is is protein. And you yes. said 10, 10 grams of protein. Yep, that's right. Ten grams of protein in in every bottle, 
Um, so, so not meant to, to replace a, a protein shake after a workout, but more so just uh, some healthier replenishment rather than adding uh, cream or half and half to your coffee. All right. So now that we got a sense of the, the product, you said it really quickly, but give us the origin story again. Yeah, absolutely. So it started in my dorm room just at Philadelphia University up the street from me there. Uh, I played basketball there, uh, Division II school. We would have 5 a.m. basketball practices, uh, and I loved coffee, but uh, I really didn't have time in between class and practice to go back and brew some. Uh, so I was looking for a ready-to-drink bottled bottled energy drink that I could bring with me throughout my days. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, all the market had to offer, especially in that functional category, was products loaded with sugar and artificial ingredients. Mm-hmm. To me, it didn't, it didn't make a lot of sense because the people who needed these drinks the most uh, you know, were the ones who were the most active and probably uh, really cared about what they put into their body. So we saw that shift of athletes really being conscious of, of what they were consuming. Um, and I decided to set out and make something a little bit different uh, in my dorm room blender. Um, so I started making the first renditions of Super Coffee um, in 2015 in my dorm room blender. And my teammates started drinking it. My classmates started drinking it. Uh, I convinced my brothers to start drinking it, and uh, we decided to launch a company. Wow. So this was right around the the time of the the Bulletproof Coffee, coffee explosion, was it not? I, I don't actually remember, but it seems like roughly around the, the time. Yeah, Bulletproof was starting to get some, uh, starting to get some uh, press across the country, I would say. Their brand was just getting started. Um, you know, that's the, the idea of adding butter. Uh, and MCT oil for healthy fats to your coffee. So we, we did some research and science on that. We thought it was really interesting. We didn't see see that product as, as much of a competitor or coming mm-hmm. into um, our channels too much. Again, our, our mission was really to be a health-conscious option for mainstream customers who really right. enjoyed their coffee. Yeah. Yeah, I was just trying to, to, to figure out what the antecedents were in terms of adding oil and, and mm-hmm. butter, which I – yeah. And, and, then, and then did you literally in your dorm room – figure out this monk fruit thing? Yeah, in the dorm room, um, you know, we were testing for about 11 months straight, um, you know, straight through the summer and, and season. And, um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we worked with stevia and, you know, all different types of sweeteners, maple syrup, agave. And ultimately the goal was to get to zero grams of sugar with nothing artificial. Yeah. Um, but while delivering a taste profile that mainstream customers could really enjoy. And we found, um, you know, a special very pure formula with monk fruit, um, you know, the customers really seem to love. Yeah. So monk fruit, I, I could think of it as effectively a stave, stave, yeah, but, but using it in its, in its complete natural form. 100%. And, yeah. um, you know, we like to say much less aftertaste, uh, yeah. you know, where stevia, some, some customers might be a little sensitive to it. Uh, monk fruit is much smoother um, and a much more premium option. Yeah. Awesome. So then, so then what, what happened next? Did you, did you just all of a sudden find yourself in business or was there a transition where you said, Oh, I got to make a plan, raise yeah. a few bucks and actually make this a business. Yeah. I wish I just found myself in business. That would have been pretty <laughs> nice. Um, no. So what actually happened was that my brother at the time was playing football at Georgetown university down in uh, Washington, DC. Um, so I, I moved in the way of him for the summer um, and he was getting ready to go into his senior year. I was just finishing my freshman year, and uh, I said, hey, I think I'm going to try to start a coffee company. Uh, you, would you want to help me out a little bit? And uh, at first he said, no way. 
Um, so I thought that was pretty, pretty funny of him, but we, you know, that summer we spent some time putting together a business plan. Um, we really wanted to find, wanted to define our purpose for the company. Um, what, what we wanted the company to be when it grew up. So our vision for the company. Uh, and then again, we really had to figure out, okay, if this is, if this is what we're going to do. We got to figure out how to make this stuff. Uh, so we really set out that summer to create a, an MVP, a minimum viable product, um, that we could start to show some customers. And, and how'd you do that? Uh, we, we talked to about 20 local uh, manufacturing facilities, just uh, some small culinary kitchens in the area, mm-hmm. um, somewhere where we could make a safe product, um, you know, consistently and kind of scale, um, where we could be servicing a few stores in that area so we can gain user feedback. Um, so we found that culinary kitchen in, in near Bethesda, Maryland, um, where actually Honest Tea got their start. And uh, we started producing for about one to two uh, small stores um, in that area, and uh, we kind of went store by store and didn't, didn't look back from there. Was the original product uh, a a refrigerated product, or did you crack that yep. at some point later? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The original product was refrigerated, um, which you know had its own set of issues, right? Because we had a very short shelf life, um, and you know you always face the challenge of uh, product spoiling, which you know can lead to some. Um, financial issues and also scaling issues. Um, so, you know, we knew over time we need to get to a point where we could have a real state-of-the-art manufacturer, um, you know, who could make the product safe as a shelf-stable item. Uh, but there's just a critical mass you need to hit. So we put a plan in place that basically said, look, after the first year, you know, our volume can hit X amount of cases. Uh, we'll be able to, to make it to the next level of manufacturing um, and hopefully get ourselves a national partner. Roughly, just for our listeners who are interested in the food and beverage space, roughly how big do you have to be before you can get a serious uh, uh, partner to produce for you? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, for our our manufacturer, we are at about 40,000 cases per production run. Um, and that's the minimum run. And that's about, uh, you know, those are 12 packs. So that's you know, right about 500,000 bottles, um, you know, which is a, is a significant investment, um, you know, when you consider the raw materials and production costs that go into that. Um, so you got to have some customers up and running. You got to have good proof of concept uh, and you got to have some financial backing um, to keep the business, you know, moving. Yeah, forward. but, but let, whoa, that's a big number. I, help, help me, help me make the, the bridge from, and tell us how you made the bridge from making it in a in a in a in a in a commercial kitchen in Bethesda, Maryland, as a refrigerated product, to how you get to be big enough to order five hundred thousand uh, bottles. Yeah, uh, again, it, it took about twelve months to really um, to gain that traction, and over the course of those twelve months, we went from zero stores, right, that MVP product, to about fifty stores um, manufacturing the product on our own. Um, and making our own deliveries every day, um, getting the customers, getting the feedback, improving the product, and, and selling enough of it, um, where, again, we weren't quite at that level um, uh-huh. where we would be selling 500,000 units um, anytime soon. But based on our trajectory, we knew that if we could get there, you know, we'd be able to raise a little bit of money, our first seed round of financing beyond friends and family, and if we could get to that production level, we'd have a 12-month shelf life. 
So mm-hmm. we said, look, even if we only could produce one in the first, you know, 12 months, we would have enough product to, to really, you know, go out and, and build the brand and take it to the next level and maybe raise another seed round to continue to, to continue to grow. Yeah. So let me just underscore that because I, I, now, now I sort of get it. So what, once you say, okay, we're unlikely to get stuck with a few hundred mm-hmm. thousand bottles of this stuff or uh, 10,000 no. cases, we're, we're going to, we're going to find a way to put together a couple hundred thousand dollars to place a big order. Absolutely. Uh, but we got a 12 month shelf life shelf life. Yeah, absolutely. And again, yeah. um, you know, it wasn't just the, the, re- the reoccurring orders we had coming in from those 50 stores. Mm-hmm. We also had several commitments for larger customers. So we knew that we'd be turning inventory a little bit quicker. That allowed us to ra- raise money at a little bit of a better valuation for the brand yep. that early on, too. So we're looking forward 12 months and saying, hey, yes, here's where we are today. You know, but with financing from strategic investors, we might be able to be here in the next 12 months based on the customers that we have coming on board and this new potential manufacturer who we'd really like to, to make the move to. Yeah. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Launchpad on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 132. I'm Carl Ulrich, and I'm speaking with Jordan DeChico, who is the co-founder and president of Key2 Life, which makes super coffee. Um, so, so, Jordan, you, you alluded to financing. Tell us a little bit about the financing milestones. Absolutely. Starting starting with the dorm room and your and and then your brother. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, early on, I think you know, like most um, entrepreneurs, um, you know, we we started with the family and friends round of of seed financing, um, where basically we needed something to really get the business off the ground to prove concept. Um, you know, as you can imagine, as a freshman student athlete, I really didn't have any any sort of capital to, to launch a business. Um, so we were able to raise about $30,000, which was all we needed to really um, get the business um, off the ground and prove that concept in the first few months. Um, from there, um, you know, we had enough proof of concept to go beyond friends and family. Uh, we raised an additional seed round of about $50,000. Um, and again, that allowed us to scale the brand to a point where, um, again, we could go out and, and to other investors in the area, angel investors outside of family and friends, um, and say, hey, look, here's what we've done in revenue to date. Um, and after that initial about $110,000 in, in seed money, um, you know, we had a pretty decent run rate. That first year, we did about $250,000 in sales um, before scaling to that larger manufacturing facility. Um, where again we we raised another seed round uh, of about 250, so a quarter million dollars um, from some angels in the DC, Virginia, Maryland area, um, and then again things kind of picked up in year two where we went from 250 thousand dollars, we raised our third seed round of financing, um, and then we did just over a million dollars in year two, um, which was 2017. Got it. All right, so I would describe that as quite organic, sort of a, a little bit at a time, prove a milestone, raise a little more money, prove, and that mm-hmm. the advantage of that, of course, is you you uh, avoid a lot of dilution. Uh, the disadvantage is you're always raising money. Yeah, exactly. So we have three <laughs> three three brothers of the co-founders. Two of us create and sell and market, and the other one raises and manages the money. So we have yeah. good, uh, good good balance there. Yeah, I got I got to ask you about your family. I've I've got. When I always worry that I'm not going to have enough to talk about on these shows, it's never happened in five or ten years I've been doing it. But I have this pink sheet of paper, and it has um, some questions I can ask if I run out of time. And I looked at it and just busted up laughing because my first question 
my go-to buffer question is, what advice would you offer to your 25-year-old self? And <laughs> and you're laughing because you're not even 25, right? No, I'm 23 today. So. Yeah, it's, so it's hilarious because I'm like, wait, Jordan's 23. So Jordan, you, you don't sound like you're 23. So did, when you when you were growing up, tell me about your family. Were you were you just wired to be an entrepreneur from the time you, one of those kids who were 12 years old was was selling stuff? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, my parents and brothers definitely described me as very obsessive um, as a child, very passionate, very obsessive. Um, you know, if I if I really found something I liked, I, I stuck with it and I worked really, really hard at it. Um, and I think that's one of the you know one of the traits an entrepreneur has to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were athletes. Both of our parents were Division One college athletes, and you know I was the youngest of of three brothers, three boys. So um, very competitive growing up and I was always, you know, the short end of the stick, but it was really my, my will and determination. I think that even allowed me to step on the same field as my two older, bigger brothers. Um, so I think that kind of transitioned, um, you know, through high school into college and then definitely into, uh, our first venture here at Key2. Yeah. All right. So I, I got a bunch of, I, by the way, I didn't need that question as a buffer question, but it was just amusing <laughs> because I was guessing you weren't even 25 yet. So, so uh, there's a couple other things. Uh, I looked at your LinkedIn profile and noticed you list uh, Teal Fellow. And yeah. that's of course, a, well, not of course, some people, why, why you say what it is and, and what, what, how your experience was with the Teal Fellowship. Yeah. Sure. Well, the Teal Fellowship, um, it's basically an entrepreneurial grant, um, and program uh, set up and managed by Peter Thiel, uh, one of the co-founders of PayPal and initial investors um, in Facebook. Um, so he's based out of uh, San Francisco and now Los Angeles, actually. And uh, it's a two-year fellowship um, for um, what they believe, you know, the top 20 student entrepreneurs uh, who apply. And basically, um, you trade your your two years of, of college, right? You, you go on a two-year stop of, of school uh, to join this program where you get $50,000 in exchange per year, so $100,000 total to stop out of school and focus on your venture. So um, I spent two years in that program, and um, it was really trans- transformational for us and our brand. So it was, you were, for you, it was instrumental in, in enabling you to do this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It, it really was. It, it was that blanket of security, I believe, um, where you don't have to pay your, your founder um, mm-hmm. a salary, which, you know, early on every dollar matters. Um, but then also a vast um, uh, majority of, of experience and advice and mentorship um, and also uh, a level of validation as well that may put the brand in, in uh, positions or opportunities that we might not have had. Um, and you know, we always say you, you got to create your own luck. And when you create your own luck, you still have to maximize, maximize the opportunities that present themselves. So I think we got some good opportunities from it. Um, you know, along with, along with some other benefits that we really took advantage of and, and learned a lot from. Yeah. All right. So I, I, you know, you, you don't, you don't really to your horn about this, but I, I, I inferred from an image somewhere, either on your LinkedIn or maybe on your company website, that you also did Shark Tank. Is that true? Yep, absolutely. We also uh, season nine of, of Shark Tank, which was a great experience as well. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it was 
we had just finished our, or we were about halfway through our second year in business. So this was 2017. And, um, you know, someone had posted on LinkedIn, actually, hey, you know, I have a connection to Shark Tank and, uh, you know, I'm local in the Washington, D.C. area. And if there's any good brands interested in Shark Tank, you know, maybe shoot me, shoot me a message. And we weren't really too interested. We always thought it could have been a, you know, a distraction. Yeah. Um, but, but we saw this message on LinkedIn and, you know, we shot, we shot this fellow a note and said, hey, you know, we might be interested. Here's our story. You know, three brothers, you know, college dropout and, uh, you know, we're doing pretty well. You know, brands catching on, et cetera. And, um, you know, a few weeks later, we heard back that some of the producers caught wind of the story and were interested. Um, and just like that, we, you know, sent in our formal application um, a few weeks after that, we, we were told that they wanted to fly us out to Los Angeles for casting. And um, it was funny because we filmed it in June of 2017, but it didn't actually air until February of 2018. Yeah. Um, so, almost, so almost a full year had gone by from the time we filmed it to the time it aired. So a lot had changed um, from, when we, from when we actually filmed the episode. But, man, was it, it was a great experience. You go out there um, – you really don't know what to expect. We kind of over-prepared, obviously, to the best of our ability. Um, but we were so young at the time, um, you know, as a, from a business standpoint and, you know, revenue. And um, But it was really just an eye-opening experience and something that we uh, we used to propel the brand forward. Yeah, it's really a remarkable story. Okay, so uh, we literally only have 30 seconds, but I want to, and maybe I'll give you some unsolicited advice. If I look on the website, your brand appears like four different ways. Um, and so I'm going to give you one good chance to tell our listeners what is your brand and where to find you guys. Yeah. Absolutely. So Super Coffee is one of the healthiest bottled coffees and energy drinks on the market today. You can find us in all of your local convenience um, in grocery stores across the country. Also, drinksupercoffee.com and amazon.com. Just type super coffee. We also have super creamer and super espresso, which are healthy, nutritious, and delicious energy options as well. All right, Jordan, you're really good at that. Thanks so much for making the time. All right, Carl, have a great night. Thank you. I'm Carl Ulrich, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at Wharton. Launchpad is produced by Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. The show airs live on Wednesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. You can find more episodes of this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.